Hi, welcome to MedTech for Beginners, the place to come if you want to know more about how to bring new health and care innovations into the UK market. Hello everyone and welcome to this week's edition of MedTech for Beginners. This week we're going to be talking all things Health Innovation Network and most of you will have heard at some point either by listening to my podcast or reading articles in my blogs about AHSNs and now we're going to turn it all on its head and say there aren't AHSNs anymore and I'm going to introduce you to Alex Leach who is Deputy Director at the Health Innovation Network West of England. So she can explain a little bit about what's been going on and how things are moving forward. So if I hand over to you, Alex. Good morning. Thanks, Kate. Yes, well, I, for the last sort of five years, have been working for the West of England Academic Health Science Network, the AHSN, but we've recently just been relicensed by NHS England. And as part of that relicensing, which started on the 1st of October, all of the AHSNs um, across the country, and of which there are 15, have been renamed. So I now work for Health Innovation West of England. We're essentially exactly the same organisation with a new name. But actually, I think it's a really good change. I think Health Innovation is a more descriptive title than Academic Health Science Network, which I think was always a bit of a mouthful and was a little bit difficult to understand what we did. What you'll find is each of the 15 AHSNs have a slightly different way of renaming themselves. And you'll probably see lots and lots of information across social media about this. Essentially, we're exactly the same, but just with <laughs> Fantastic. So thank you for that. This is partly so that people can find you when they're looking for you. I'm sure at the moment there are redirects, but who knows how far in the future someone might be listening to this recording. So if you could just explain to us, what does, I nearly said AHSN, <laughs> Innovation Network offer to people working in the health innovation space? So we have a number of commissioners. We have three key commissioners from, as part of, I'm going to struggle to say it as well, the Health Innovation Network. We have NHS England and NHS Improvement, which is largely to do with transformation work within our NHS systems. But the bit that probably is most applicable to this is our commission from the Office of Life Sciences. And part of this commission is, is a core offer to all medtech innovators. And where that includes SMEs, it includes larger companies, but it also includes academics, lives experience entrepreneurs, startups, or even just people who have a really good medtech idea and are not sure how to progress it. And the offer we have is, you know, everybody gets a universal offer. So we're really happy to speak to anyone who would like some advice. We'll offer maybe an hour's phone call, find out what they're looking for. And then on the back of that, provide some signposting, some support, some advice, maybe a link to some different resources and really see how we can help them just to sort of understand a little bit better about how to sell a product or develop a product for the NHS or or actually for the care system as well. Thank you. Yes, that's really helpful, I think, for everybody. So when people are coming to engage with the health innovation organisation itself, obviously, they'll want to go to their local one, probably first and foremost. But each innovation organisation will have its own priorities and specialist areas. And as such, is there a way that it is best to engage rather than having to go around all 15 covering the whole footprint of England? 
Yeah, absolutely. There's a there's a really good way for innovators to approach us all. Actually, about a a year or eighteen months ago, NHS England launched something called the NHS Innovation Service. Um, it's a really good, simple portal. You can fill in your details about the sort of support you're looking. They'll ask you lots of questions about your innovation, about your idea, how ready you are for adoption and spread, and also the areas where you think you're looking for support and guidance. And their needs identification service will contact you and have a conversation to understand what you need. And then on the back of that, they will try and work out which of the health innovation organisations are best to support you. It may be that you're referred to more than one. It may be that we go, well, actually, the Birmingham one is really great for you, but we'd also love to suggest that the West of England can provide you support. And that might be that some elements of your ask are very much within one organisation and, you know, another organisation would suit you best with the other. The other beauty of this service is we also have access through it to the Scottish and the Welsh innovation services, which I think quite often people struggle a little bit to engage with because they sort of sit outside of what was previously the AHSN network. You also have access to NICE and NHS supply chain. So if you're looking to get some advice on how to get your product listed on NHS supply chain or get your product reviewed through NICE, it's a really, really good way to to make those introductions. And we're all, as as organisations that access this service, we're all obliged to respond back within quite a tight timescale. So you should find, if you go through this, that you'll actually get responses from all of the different parties quite quickly and it saves you having to go through the same conversation and fill up the same forms 15 times so hopefully that would be a really really good improvement in your your innovation journey really thank you and thinking of um i haven't myself engaged with this platform i engaged with the previous platform which was health tech connect now that is something where you need to set some time aside and i'm assuming this will be the same with innovation portal Yeah, I I mean, I think it's, you know, this is your opportunity to really put some time into what you're looking for. And so I would suggest if you are going to engage with it, take the time to really think about filling in the sections, you know, go and do the homework. They will ask you questions about the evidence that you have. They'll ask you questions about what level of technology readiness you have, you know, where you've used the product or, or what you think your real needs are. So, you know, give yourself a good few hours just to sort of fill in the the bits you can certainly start loading it up and then come back to it you don't have to do it all in one sitting but I would suggest you take the time because that information is what will then go out to all of those different parties and it's it's on the back of that that we will decide whether or not we think we can support you so you know sell yourself as best you can you know be really honest we're not looking for sales talk we're looking for you know an honest description of where you are with your business and with your innovation and that way we can best decide how to really suit your needs and one of the things I always say with this you only get one chance to make a first impression and your information is going into the portal. It's being churned out at the other end and distributed to AHSNs for someone to be allocated to come back to you as, as the person to make that response. So if you don't answer the questions or if you say, well, we think we've sort of got something and you don't really have any evidence that it works and you haven't really done an awful lot of work on it yet and you haven't formed your question you don't know what you don't know enough to be able to form those questions you can actually be an unattractive ask at the other end I don't mind if people come to me and go I 
think I've got a good idea, but I really need some help to understand where we're going. Or I really need some help to understand what evidence we need. Or please, can you, you know, we know we've got to go through some regulations, and but we just don't understand it. And I'd much rather that sort of response than the, we're all ready to go, everything's good, but then there's no evidence, there's no effort to, to comply with the regulations and things, because that shows a degree of naivety. But actually, we're here to help. We're absolutely here to help. And it may be that, you know, you're not ready for market yet. You're, you haven't got the evidence, but that doesn't mean that we can't signpost you and support you and, and, and give you the information that helps you on that journey. But I think just be honest. And, and, you know, for me, you know, I used to work in sales. You have to resist the temptation to be the salesperson. You have to just be honest about where you are. There's nothing more frustrating than than seeing statements like, I am completely sure this will save millions and millions of pounds for the NHS you know, that means nothing. You know, what we need to do is understand really what you're thinking and what evidence you've got to back up sort of statements such as that. Thank you. And and going back to, this is something we talk about on every episode, really. What makes something saleable to the NHS? So in your opinion, what are the key elements that an innovation must have to make it saleable to the NHS? Oh, it's such a good question. I mean, I think there's got to be a need. You know, I think that the biggest mistake we make is somebody makes, you know, a very beautiful thing that they're very proud of and it's come out of, you know, an awful lot of work. But actually, when you sort of take it into the clinical systems, it doesn't address a need. Or if it does address a need, it doesn't address it in a way that is viable for it to be procured. So you can, you know, I always speak about, you know, in a, a dream product is something that improves care, costs less money, is really needed and is really easy to, to implement. Now, we appreciate most of those things are not going to happen for every product. But if you've got the, all of those, then it's going to be really easy to, to, to get that sold into the NHS. But, you know, as a very minimum, it's got to do at least one of those. It's got to improve care. It's got to reduce cost. It's got to increase productivity or workforce utilisation. It's really got to be able to evidence that if you're going to charge £100,000 for this product, that they get at least £100,000 worth of benefit off the back of it. Unfortunately, with the NHS being as it is, being able to show marginal improvements in care, you know, may not be sufficient because actually... The, the cost and the effort required in introducing new new innovations, you know, we really do need to see something that is absolutely worth the effort. One of the big things we, we do is ask innovators to, to take a step back and really check. They understand what their value proposition is. What are they offering? You know, what's their selling points? Because I think sometimes people just go, look at my thing, it's so wonderful. But actually the thing doesn't necessarily sell itself. It, you really need to understand what's good about the thing. Yeah, so thinking about your value proposition and, you know, what are your unique selling points for your product in an environment that is that is highly regulated and also short of money. And I think what's interesting, because a lot of, you know, a lot of innovators would say, you know, I don't know how I'm ever going to sell this into the NHS. The NHS has no money. Well, actually, the NHS has loads of money. It's just using it all at the moment. So really what you've got to do is show that your product is worth spending money on. So it's not like it hasn't got money. It's just using, you know, they've got to say that rather than spending money on that, we really want to spend money on this because this 
is going to make a difference to the care for patients or improve our efficiency or actually in the long term save us money. And that's, you know, sometimes you have to invest in order to then get a benefit and a saving along the line. And I think you just hit on something there, which I don't think we've talked about much in these discussions. And that is when you're talking about where you're going to get the money from the budget, it is really, really tough to say, you've never done this before. You've never had a budget for it before. It could sit across multiple departments and we want you to spend money on it now. However, if you can identify at the same time what your benefits are for your product and then go, and there's this one that can be removed. You don't need to use this one anymore if you're using this one. No, absolutely. And I think, you know, sometimes it is is to do with you know service redesign and and, you know just layering on a new innovation on top of an existing pathway quite often just makes that pathway more expensive it might marginally improve outcomes but it just makes it more expensive so the real dream ticket is to say well actually let's let's stop doing that you know let's use this digital resource rather than sending a health visitor in every day you know let's use a portal that allows better communication rather than sending 20,000 letters out you know so it's to do with the what can we stop doing and then actually when you when you've started thinking in that way and worked with the clinical teams and and the commissioners you can actually redesign the service with your product at the heart of it and then it actually becomes a bit of a no-brainer because you can see that actually the new pathway is more cost effective more efficient allows staff to be used more effectively And sometimes it's okay to be more expensive if it fulfills another problem. So potentially if they are desperately short of clinical staff, if it then provides, you know, an opportunity to function well and provide good care with less staff because you're utilising an innovation that actually supports those staff to be really efficient, then actually that's okay because actually you need to deliver the the service so I think it you're, you're completely right it is it is not just to do with selling a product it's to do with working with the system to understand what can be changed to really make this make a huge difference and moving on slightly on the same topic in my experience I've done all this work with with various clients and their innovations and 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 looked at the system and done a, a service redesign and 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 mapped out a new patient pathway and identified how it can be implemented but then the next step is the staff you're working with in the NHS need to accept that change and and that change is is what we call a system disruptor and there's a lot of people who are doing what they've always done they're used to how they work they're used to this and used to that and i think what we need to bear in mind is we're expecting people to take a big jump in changing the way that they work and some of them could have been there 20 30 years or more oh, i agree yeah and and yeah. so there's that other piece of work of, of how you implement innovation in a way that people will accept the adoption rather than feeling that something new is being imposed upon them. And particularly when you're in an environment where you're saying, well, we're saving on clinical time, there's always going to be that question. Are you saying then that I'm going to be out of a job or you know, will I have to move to another department? I know. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think there's most of sort of 
adoption of a new technology is hearts and minds work. It's really to do with finding somebody who's a champion for you within that organisation, you know, really making sure they understand what the impacts are on the staff so that you can you can work with them. And actually, again, one of the things that always frustrates me is when, when I hear somebody say, oh, this innovation saves five minutes of nursing time every time you use it. Therefore, overall, that will save you, you know, umpteen nurses. But actually, in reality, we haven't got enough nurses, so it's not going to save you those nurses. And also the nurses that you are working with are just going, are you going to just make my job disappear? But actually what that does give to the nurse, if you turn it around, what it means is you've got more time to do the stuff that's important. You might be able to have a coffee break. You actually might be able to do your paperwork within working hours. You might not end up working late every day. You've also got more time to speak to your patients, to do the softest stuff that actually nurses don't have time to do so often, you know, sitting down and, you know, doing the stuff that only a person can do, which is, you know, the comfort, the advice, the the discussion. So it's really to do with just thinking, you know, almost putting yourselves into the shoes of those clinicians and think, well, actually, you know, saving five minutes of time is great, but actually what does that give me? What is that opportunity that five minutes gives me that would then allow me to think, well, actually, my job's going to be better if I save that five minutes using this technology because I will be able to do the following. And it's nothing to do with them not being in post anymore it's to do with them being able to do their job in a much more enjoyable and and productive way you know and I I mean I'm an ex-nurse and you know there's nothing worse than feeling like you have to rush away from somebody who needs you you know when you need to talk to someone but you're rushing on to the next task or the next patient so actually if you can give them that back you know I think you'll do a lot to win hearts and minds I would also suggest that you do you know particularly if you're finding you've got a big service redesign with your innovation if you've got good evidence and the health innovation network organizations believe that your innovation is really good work with us because actually part of what we do is that adoption and spread work where it might be that what we can do is help with some cover for those staff to actually put, take some time back so that they've got time to do the change as well because if you're busy doing the day job actually putting in a new pathway or changing things is actually massively time consuming so it could be that organizations such as my own can actually help with that and actually take some of the pain away and i think another thing to to, to think about we've talked about regulation making sure it's compliant making sure it will fit into a pathway but part of that pathway is a whole range of different stakeholders and normally when you're starting an implementation of a new innovation what you need to consider is who you need to get in the room I still am a very strong believer if it's possible actually having face-to-face meetings to kick off something like this so that you can see the whites of each other's eyes and actually get some buy-in But in order to do that, that is a very tough ask of the NHS to ask that maybe six people from different disciplines are in the same room at the same time. Obviously, there's hybrid ways of approaching it, or you can have online meetings. But the key thing is you need to know who those stakeholders are. So, for instance, if you're using a technology that interfaces with the electronic patient record, EPR, then you're going to need someone from the IT department and compliance who's going to talk to you about what they need in order for you to do that. 
and how long it's going to take. Don't just assume that because you're saying, oh, well, it'll interface with the EPR, that that will just be a matter of contacting the hospital and saying, right, we need an API here. Give us the API details and we can plug in. You go into a very, very long list of waiting technologies. So you need to think about not just those stakeholders, but how long you're going to need for each bit rather than thinking you can go charge in. Oh, right. We've, we know what we're doing. We've designed the service. We know where it's going to go and how it's going to go. We're going to be in there in the next three months. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, I completely agree. Absolutely, Kate. I mean, I think also the other mistake I think sometimes innovators make is assuming that the same thing that excites a clinician is going to be the same thing that excites your IT guy you know so actually if you say to them you know this is great and it really improves it reduces nursing time but actually those IT people have got to put this alongst a long list of other projects as well and they can be real barriers to the adoption of your technology because they just won't see that it's important so some of the work we sometimes do with innovators is actually to look at the value proposition not only for your key clinicians or your commissioners who are buying it for some of those other stakeholders that are actually potentially going to be the barriers to the adoption spread or or the uptake of your product you know they need to understand why it's good for them and why it's good for for their trust but also you need to understand what their pain points are you know what are the things that are going to be difficult for them if they're going to do this so that you can you know you don't just sit there and assume that that 10 days of work they've got to put in is fine you know you need you need to work with them on that one and it, it is worth taking the time to as you say to 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 speak to them and understand I mean, not assume. The other thing I would also say is don't assume just because it worked really well in one trust that it's going to work just as well in another as well because there are different systems, there are different platforms, there are different ways of doing it. And sometimes the governance around how things get signed off can be really different as well. So just, you know, be really careful to, to treat each new account as something fresh and actually take the time to understand Yeah. So for instance, with some of the clients that I'm working with, I can uh, be talking to the new device committee or trying to talk to the new device committee in one hospital, but in another hospital doesn't go through the new device committee. So you can't make an assumption. And when I have seen and heard of people saying, for instance, on an Innovate UK grant application, where are you going to sell this to? Going to sell it to the NHS. Yeah, which bit of that one would you like to hear? Yeah, so which part of the 40,000 different organisations are you going to choose to sell it to within the NHS? That's like saying, I'm going to sell it to England. Doesn't really work. (laughs) Definitely, I agree. So I think our time is coming to an end here. Thank you so much for your time today, Alex. It's been great speaking to you. I think it's given me a little bit more insight into the changes and where to go. And people will want to know how to find the innovation portal. So that is www.innovation.nhs.uk. And how do they find you and the health innovation network west of england probably the easiest thing is just to google health innovation west of england we've got a really good website within that there's an innovation portal so there's an area where there's lots and lots of information and also there's an online form where you can fill in your details and one of my team or me will be in touch and you know arrange for a call with you i'm also all over places like 
LinkedIn and, and Twitter. So by all means, you know, hunt me down. Really happy to hear from any innovators that think that they might have something that could be useful within the West of England. Or, you know, if I can help in any other way, you know, always really happy to have a, an initial conversation with anybody who's got something interesting. Fabulous. Thank you very much. So this is the end of this week's session. I am Kate Pym from Pym's Consultancy. I can be found at Pym's Consultancy on www.papayankeemikesierraconsultancy.co.uk. If you find these podcasts interesting, please like, subscribe. You can also follow me, Kate Pym. Papa Yankee Mike on LinkedIn, Twitter. Pimps Consultancy has also got a Facebook page. So please join us for future episodes and we hope that you found this useful. Thanks very much for listening. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We hope you found it both interesting and useful. Please feel free to message us if you've got any questions that you'd like to ask or any requests for future interviewees or any particular aspects of MedTech that you'd like to know more about. We'd be happy to include them in future episodes. Our email address is info at pimsconsultancy.co.uk. That's info at papayankeemikesierraconsultancy.co.uk. Or you can find out more about this podcast by visiting pimsconsultancy.co.uk forward slash medtech podcast until the next time bye for now